Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're bringing you interviews from the National Association of Realtors Annual Convention in New Orleans. I was honored to be a designated attendee, bringing a commercial practitioner's view of the event. My first interview is with Hugh Kelly. He's professor of real estate at NYU, and he's also past chair of the CRE Counselors of Real Estate. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us, Hugh. Always a pleasure to be here, Michael. Good to see you again. And Hugh has just about to speak to the entire uh, group here about the 24-hour cities, and it's called the cities that never sleep. And, you know, if you're moving a business to a particular city or you're growing in a particular city or you're investing in commercial real estate or developing, uh, or if you're in economic development, understanding what makes these cities uh, thrive is very important. And you, if you will, give us some kind of the highlights or a takeaway of this session about the cities that never sleep. Well, Mike, I've, I've talked to you before about 24-hour cities and how research has shown that they produce superior real estate investment returns for, for investors. So now I want to take a look at the economic development side of, uh, of things and how 24-hour cities and their cousins, 18-hour cities, uh, uh, are function as places where people want to, uh, to move and businesses can take advantage. Mm -hmm. And talk to us about the, some of the major th or the top three things that people should think about today for economic development and for investing in these types of cities. Well, I think of this as, as the old Ballantine three ring sign, mm -hmm. uh, a Venn diagram mm -hmm. that has physical capital, financial capital, and human capital as its three components. And it's where they overlap that, that really counts. And tell us about those three things, if you will. Sure. So most economic development strategies, for as long as I've been in the business, have focused really on the first two of those rings. Mm -hmm. uh, physical capital. You know, people love to build monuments. Mm -hmm. Those monuments can be sports stadiums, they can be museums, they can, they can be uh, galleries, you know, concert halls. Uh, think of the Gary Council, the Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles. These are great photo ops for politicians. Right. And they do, they do contribute to the city. But most economic development has been about financial capital. It's how do we, we provide tax incentives uh, uh, and assistance for businesses so that they can be lured into, into an area. The third ring, human capital, is what's been neglected. And that's what I think cities uh, now need to focus on. Because the competition for physical capital and for financial capital is very commodity-like. Every city offers the same thing to the same group of desired industries. The competition is fierce. Getting into that game is a losing strategy. Getting into the game of human capital excellence, that's a winning strategy. And human capital is, is more important. I know you're a, a major author in the wonderful report of emerging trends, and you talked about human capital being a major force moving forward. So it's something that cities that need to think about more than ever, right? That's true. When you think about it, it's people that populate office buildings, people that shop in the shopping centers, and so their incomes count. People who live in the residential uh, communities. It's all about people. And it's also about jobs, right? It is about uh, jobs, and the generation of, uh, of those jobs increasingly depends upon talent. Uh, and that is what draws companies to a city. If there is a deep and diverse enough pool of talent to make that company productive and profitable. 
And we all want to move our businesses and we want to build and invest and develop in cities that are growing, that are doing the right things. So can you give us some examples, Hugh, of some cities that are doing it right? Sure. And I'm going to stay away from, from my hometown, New York, and, and the L.A.'s and the Chicago's because a, a lot of attention has been given uh, uh, to them. They don't need more. Uh, but let's take a look at the Greenville, South Carolinas at the Nashville, Tennessee's, at the Austin, Texas's. I think they're doing some very exciting things. And tell us what they're doing in Nashville. Well, Nashville uh, has really taken the talent element of this to, uh, to, to the fore. They've built their uh, uh, business planning for the city around a global brand of being Music City USA and all of the supporting services that come into that. And very interestingly, the mayor says that the title he wants to be known uh, uh, for for his term is that he was the education major and that's an investment in your future yeah. that's a great plan for a city that's important and my mother tells me that was born in Nashville but I don't remember that so <laughs> and give me an example of what they're doing in a city like Greenville I mean, some people might not think that that's a city that's doing it right, right? Well, uh, you know I keep telling my students that there's no point in doing research unless you're willing to be surprised. Yeah. And Greensville is a very, very pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. They focus their economic development strategy, yes, on bringing uh, 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 industries into, into the area, but they've decided to make their main street in downtown uh, an important hub for the whole uh, metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. And so now Main Street Greenville has multifamily housing, it has walk-to-work housing, Companies are building uh, new office buildings in there. And did you know that there are 90 restaurants uh, along the main street of Greenville, uh, South Carolina? Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, I didn't know. And then you mentioned Austin. So if, again, everyone wants to know, know what, what cities are doing right. That's where you want to put your money, right? So what are they doing in Austin? So another talent and technology city for sure. Uh, but one which has played off something that's very, very important that, that I uncovered as one of the four main variables in my 24-hour city research, and that is something called regional distinctiveness. Cities that do best don't try to be homogeneous. They don't try to be like everybody else. They want to be themselves. So I love Austin's motto, keep Austin weird. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I've looked at their economic development plan, and of the 25 elements in that plan, 14 relate to the arts, culture, and education. That's focusing on talent. Nice. And of your session today, what might surprise people and our listeners around the country and our viewers about the session and about 24-hour cities and cities that never sleep? I think, I think that it is that, uh, that there is no silver bullet. Not one thing to do. Focusing on what you are good at, focusing on what your resources are important. But I think the 80 or 90 percent of cities that still follow the old model of, of big buildings that are photo ops and, and pictures you can put on the wall yeah. and trying to lure away companies from higher cost regions by being the low cost provider, I think they're going to be surprised to hear that that strategy, which is the conventional strategy, is a dead strategy. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about the 18-hour cities that, uh, that you coined in the Emerging Trends Report. And if you haven't read that report, Emerging Trends Report this year is, is incredible. I know you're a major part of that. Tell us about 18-hour cities. Surely. So 
emerging trends 20 years ago developed this idea of the 24-hour city and made the claim that 24-hour cities would be the best places for investment. That's proven to be true. That message has gotten out because of the success of those cities. Well, it's very expensive to become a 24-hour city, but the lessons that you can learn about providing a concentration of downtown housing, trying to get your city population density up over 9,000 people per square mile, get your crime rate down below 6,000 uh, per 100,000 of, of, of population, try to encourage things like 24-hour drugstores to, to be around so that people have the capacity to go out and get what they need when they, they need it. That's something that many cities can, uh, can do and that the cities I've mentioned have done very, very successfully. And if we're investing and we live in a community and we would like to have a more vibrant downtown, what are some other tips? I think one of the things that I see in Atlanta where I live is uh, Georgia State and, and Georgia Tech. The education has, has helped. Now we have more housing and more shopping. And so we're starting to get a little bit closer to an 18-hour city in Atlanta. Is that a good, a good step? And you mentioned, you mentioned all of those resources that are focused together along with the High Art Museum and the, and the Music Center in one district, which is the Midtown District. You know, so the Midtown District becomes a very vibrant and, and viable place uh, because it's not just the list of ingredients, it's their chemistry. How do they interact? And so education, housing, restaurants, the arts and culture, and jobs, if you can get them all within a small group, why it's, it's like putting a bunch of great ingredients in a pot, putting it in the oven, and you, and you get a gourmet meal. That's the, way, that's the way it works. It's the chemistry between the ingredients, not the ingredients themselves that count. And you make it sound so easy. I think we all should just cook it up. Hugh, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you, Hugh Kelly. We also appreciate the insight from the counselors of real estate. We're going to have more interviews from the convention floor in New Orleans. My next interview will be with Dan Wagner. He's VP of Government Relations with the Inland Group. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're coming to you from 40 U.S. radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, and CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Well, today we're featuring interviews from the conference floor of the National Association of Realtors Conference in New Orleans. I had the opportunity to meet some great people with NAR, including Dan Wagner. He's a VP of Government Relations with the Inland Group. NAR does some great work with legislative and regulatory advocacy for the commercial real estate industry. Enjoy. Tell us what's going on with the 1031. Is it possibly on the uh, chopping board? You know, unfortunately, uh, when you talk about tax reform, for folks that might not understand the real estate world, our job is incumbent upon us to educate people. And the 1031 exchange, the like kind exchange, is so important to our economy in America that um, we have to make sure to wake up all of our elected officials so they know how important it is. That's, the concept is quickly where you have your commercial piece of property, you sell it or income producing property, and the proceeds that you make off that, you, you roll into another 
investment, another income producing property, and that's a synergistic way that our economy grows, jobs grow, and we have to make sure and explain the process to all of our elected officials in the Senate and the House and also at the uh, executive level as well. You know, and it seems like that we've heard that it could be on the chopping block uh, all the time, but is it is there any more danger right now? In actuality, uh, it is. We have the, the concept of tax reform is obviously very palpable, important in America, and the conversation needs to be out there where people understand that when they look at all the tax issues that are, that are on the line, that they are looking in both the House and the Senate, and in both parties and the, in the presidential level, that this could be something that could go away because they don't necessarily understand the importance of what the 1031 can do for our American economy. So it is really on the uh, being looked at right now. And the National Association of Realtors with the, uh, the Real Estate Roundtable are, and other uh, real estate organizations are going to be doing this national study to show and educate all of our Congress folks to let them know why the 1031 is so important. Well, it'd be devastating. I know from our business, uh, I think, you know, we just see a lot less velocity of, of business. And, and as we were talking earlier, I mean, that's jobs, that's economic viability in our country, right? Well, Mike, the, the problem with uh, when you get rid of the 1031, which we don't ever want them to do, they're not going to have any any cost savings or any any savings for the taxes because people aren't going to sell. Yeah. They're going to keep their property, and there will be no uh, there will be no tax uh, event because no one's going to sell their property to pay all those extra taxes. Eventually, some people might have to a little bit, but you will not have the velocity of remodeling shopping centers, remodeling um, you know, any kind of business that you have. Um, the amount of money that goes into that, or growing jobs so you can um, hire more people. It's it's really a job killer. Um, the 1031 has been around since 1930, and it's a very part of the blood and sinew of our economy and our real estate, uh, commercial real estate world. And we have got to make sure to uh, ring that bell and let everybody know in America we have to have this. Let's talk about another subject that's near and dear to a lot of hearts out there, and that's the Sales Tax Fairness Act, where people can sell, companies can sell online, and they're not paying the sales tax to the local governments, right? Where are we on the Sales Tax Fairness Act? I mean, retail real estate, the brick and mortar business is getting killed. Some of these uh, municipalities, local municipalities, aren't getting their tax dollars. It's hurting uh, jobs and everything in the local areas. What's going on there? It is so important. It's about fairness. And when you have a brick and mortar company that has to be able to collect the sales tax in an online company that doesn't have to do that, you're looking at the government creating a disparity of sometimes up to 10% for tax. And when you have these low margins, these tiny little margins, you're killing businesses. The government's picking and choosing winners and losers. It is not what America and our free economy has uh, been all about. We can't do that. We have to make sure and we let the, let the word be known that in America, we're going to have everything's going to be equal. And when you go out and you buy something, then you're going to have to also uh, collect that tax as well. The internet company will, and they shoot it back to the local municipalities. That's, you know, the sales tax exists. The, the brick and mortar are, are collecting that, and the individual actually has to pay that on their income tax, but a lot of people don't. And this this is that people are getting away with it. It's not good. And we want to make sure that people are, are doing the right thing. If if, um, if we can uh, understand how important those retailers are to us, as I, uh, as I always tell everybody, when you look at Santa Claus, there's no internet sales tax company or internet company that's providing the experience of Santa Claus for your grandchild or your child. That 
wonderful brick and mortar company is providing that Norman Rockwell experience for you and your family. I mean, just think of all the other ways, the jobs, the, uh, the property taxes that they pay, the, the Girl Scout, Boy Scout groups in front of your brick and mortar stores. I mean, they're part of their community. What we're saying is, let's keep it fair. Why are we hurting the people that are in our own backyard? Let's make sure that everybody's taken treated fairly. Yeah, and it's also a question of jobs. Your son or daughter may want the, the job in that uh, Santa Claus store, right? Absolutely. And then also another issue, I guess, that's on the uh, discussion right now is terrorism insurance, right? So we all need insurance on our commercial real estate to make the world go around. What's going on there? Well, the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act, that happened, unfortunately, uh, the tragedy of 9-11. Uh, the insurance companies were able to highlight to the, to the banks, the commercial, commercial real estate world, that they had to have a government backstop in order to provide uh, affordable insurance for commercial real estate. Because if some horrible terrorist act happens, a nuclear bomb going off or something like that, the government would be stepping in anyway just because of the huge uh, event that would happen. Um, after 9-11, they realized that they needed to have a government backstop. And right now, after billions and billions of dollars would happen from a terrorist act, the, the private sector pays for all that. But if some unusual thing happens, then the government steps in, and it would always step in. Since 9-11, we've had this legislation in place, and it's never, thank God, ever been utilized. And it's one of those things that's always there for a safety net. But we have to uh, make sure that the elected officials know that this is sunsetting on December 31st of this year. And so a bank will not be able to give a commercial loan out unless they have this terrorism risk insurance in place. So it's vital that we get this passed before December 31st. Otherwise, commercial loans will come to a grinding halt. Ooh, it could be devastating. Well, these are very important issues. So how can our viewers and listeners help? What can they do to help the cause? Well, obviously to become educated. The National Association of Realtors has an incredible website that has all this information listed on it. So you want to make sure you know what's going on. And then it's, all, it's, it's our wonderful American process. Go meet your elected officials. Go talk to your congressman, talk to your United States senator, and let them know that this is important, that our economy, our running the, the America the way we've been working with our wonderful economy, our free market, we need to make sure to keep that going and get educated and then talk to your legislature. That was some great information from Dan. You know, it's important to understand how governmental decisions impact our economy. It's also important for our political leaders to hear from smart people like you the listeners of the Commercial Real Estate Show. Write this down. This is a website that makes it very easy to send letters to Congress. The website is ipx1031.com backslash action. That's ipx1031.com backslash action. Uh, go on that site and send some letters. We need to make sure our governmental officials understand the impact of what they're doing in the um, in D.C. that's going to impact our economy and commercial real estate moving forward. You're invited to access some other interviews I did at the convention. One was on desk time, an application that turns vacant office space into cash. One from Fundwell, a service to obtain multiple bids from lenders with one application. Also an interview about investing in real estate with your self-directed IRA. You can find these at CREshow.com and click the tab Watch. Well, stay tuned. You'll like my next guest. I'm talking with Russell Salzman. He's CEO of IRAM, Institute of Real Estate Management. And uh, he'll share some information that's important to commercial real estate owners, asset managers, and managers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. 
With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Next, we speak with Russell Salzman, CEO with IRAM. We've had the opportunity to interview some of your guys that are members of IRAM. Incredible knowledge, managing large properties around the country, really know what's going on in the management world. So I wanted to ask you today, what are, say, the top four things that are, that are troublesome or on the minds of property managers today? That's, of course, top on the list of what the Institute is focusing upon. And we're seeing really, let's start with technology, of course, our world's changing. Uh, the second would be this generational blending, you know, the movement of millennials and the aging of boomers, uh, merging technology with generations. Probably the third one would focus on globalization. Almost all of our properties are got an ownership base somewhere that may not be U.S. based. We also have then domestic companies serving international markets. So we're looking for the global best practices in a flattening world. And then probably finally, this is simply the ongoing management of talent. Always hiring right people, teaching leadership, and being able to be a nimble, flexible organization. Those are the top four. And let's talk about the millennials for a moment. So when you talk about the millennials, you're talking about your tenants, and, and, or you're talking more of the, of the staff, of the management folks that are coming in? Well, a, a little bit of both, but mostly it has to do with that population. Their tendency to go into multifamily housing first, their desire for more collaborative open office spaces for their work environment, their more flexibility in their work habits from telecommuting to flexible work hours, and, um, and then just the general way that they've grown accustomed to doing business. They're mobile-based. And for some people, that's not the normal nine to five sit in the office all day. That's one blend we see. Uh, probably the second one that happens in, the, in, in this generational blending is the cross-mentoring. You know, there's teaching from the seasoned executives, but there's also plenty of teaching from the new executives who've lived in the, this digital world as natives. So it's a great time in our industry. Yeah, and property management, asset management is a great business and you know, it's how I started in the industry. It was a great fun and, mm -hmm. and uh, you really learn about real estate when you're running it, right? And let's talk about technology. I mean, technology is a big thing in commercial real estate in all aspects. What's going on in the property management and asset management world with technology today? Well, it all has to do with a key focus on the tenant and the owner. So you're serving the, your client and you're serving your tenants. And uh, your occupants then have expectations for how they can be served quickly. Their interest to function in your property as a business or a family means that they're looking for efficiencies everywhere they turn. So what we find is that technology is just a tool for constant innovation. And how is our involved in technology? I imagine that with the expertise that you guys have that a lot of these technology companies uh, are coming to you guys and saying, hey, how can we help you and what's, what's wrong and what's right about our, uh, our tools, right? Well, we, we have just done a little mini study, Michael. There are probably about 700 technology or special product purveyors coming to an average property every year. So what we're finding the need is not that there's good technology, but helping that 
property manager or that asset executive to be able to ascertain which one should I go work with. There's a constant valuation of capital expenditures, ROI, and you know re that return over time, and what it's, what's its biggest hit. You can't do 700 new projects each year. So it's now sifting through what's the best of the best new ideas. And there's some uh, new technology coming out in, uh, in managing and asset managing these large office buildings and these large hospitals. And I mean, there's a lot of efficiency that could really be gained by some of this technology, isn't there? Well, without a doubt. And it's, you know, from accounting to uh, heating, vent ventilation, security, building operation systems are all can be remote based, almost avatar based perhaps one day. So it's providing efficiencies, a better a redu reduction in costs, which helps, you know, bottom line ROI and adds a value to a final user. And before we end here, I have you here, I have to ask you this because I've seen some of the education that's available through IRM is fantastic. What are a few of the resources that people who own and manage properties may want to know about that are available at IRM? We've determined that it's our responsibility as a professional society to provide global best practices to help the executives in the industry succeed. We know that some people will fully dive into our education system and earn that special CPM. But we also know that many people just want a resource that will help them somewhere in their career, somewhere in the problem that can be solved. So we have a vast amount of information that's effectively public domain that we're presenting for people in the industry to gain that insight or that solution. And then there's a variety of different ways to engage deeper with the organization as you dig deeper into your own development. But for anyone who's in the industry, irem.org is a resource with a plethora of a lot of free content. Stay tuned for more from NAR in New Orleans. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're bringing you interviews from the NER convention floor in New Orleans. Next, we talk with Doug Curry, CEO with Excelligent and Commercial Search. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Glad well, to be here. We appreciate you being here with us today. What a great conference, and I think people might be amazed at how important this conference is for commercial real estate people. But while I have you, I want to use our time wisely. Tell us about, first of all, Excelligence product that's great for consumers of real estate who are looking to buy or lease commercial real estate. Michael, I think, you know, originally 15 years ago, we started out trying to provide services to the professionals in the industry. And really over a 15, 16 year period became one of two companies in the United States that proactively research all the buildings in a market and have, we have about 850 employees at this point that proactively collect and maintain all the listing data for lease and sale listings, the ownership, the tenant data, the sale comps. And we do that in about 45 U.S. markets. We'll finish kind of the top 65 U.S. markets over the next 24 months. Our most recent market was Los Angeles. But the thing pe most people don't know is that we were historically a partner with LoopNet LoopNet, as you know, is the largest online public marketing source if you're going to market your properties out to the general public. But about two years ago, when CoStar bought LoopNet, uh, the federal government spun us off. And as part of that spinoff, 
we actually recreated a competitive alternative to LoopNet by pushing about 450,000 public listings out to a public search site called commercialsearch.com. Today, Commercial Search is getting over a quarter million unique, de unique detail page views a month and about a million, uh, a million detail page views and a quarter of a million unique users searching that site. So if you're a, a marketer out in this space that wants to market your building out to the general public, Commercial Search is arguably uh, the largest source for that outside of LoopNet anywhere in the United States. So it, it's really become a resource. And if you're a realtor in the U U.S., you can now put your listings out there for free. The other thing we did recently was we partnered with Realtor.com to become the exclusive search engine for Realtor.com. So that site also points to our product. Uh, and then the last thing we did, we realized that in order to make that a great site, we really needed it to become the center point for the largest commercial uh, association of investment professionals and we became the provider for CCIM. So the site to do business that the CCIMs have used for the last 15 years for their demographics and their location-based analytics now is controlled by Excelligent as well and we're merging the commercial search platform and site to do business together so for the first time you'll have location-based uh, demographics merged with commercial properties to really create location-based analytics in that platform. So the exciting news is we have an online research system that's uh, you know, researched by over 800 some odd researchers across the United States uh, in 45 U.S. markets and growing every month. We're la launching a major U.S. market about every 45 days. Um, we're going into the, the we'll, we'll be doing some things in the Carolinas right now. We just launched Raleigh. We're finishing Texas. Uh, Florida right now is a big push. Then we're heading up the East Coast. But as we're doing that, we're also significantly growing commercial search and we'll be releasing new technologies that create more of uh, kind of a community platform around commercial real estate for the general public as well as the professionals in the industry to interact together. That's fantastic. And for the general public with commercial search, so give an example. So the, uh, the website is commercialsearch.com, right? Commercialsearch.com. Okay. Right. And so a consumer, anyone can go to that site right now and look for properties for sale, for lease, uh, anywhere in the country, right? Anywhere in the country. Uh, you'll see, you know, that there's literally over 400 of the top uh, realtor associations in the country that their MLS pushes listing content there. All of the realtor.com content goes there. Uh, a lot of the CIEs in the country push their content there. And right now we do that for free as a partnership with NAR. We also push every research listing in the country to commercialsearch.com. So it winds up with, it's the only time other than LoopNet. LoopNet wound up being about 550, 600,000 public listings. Uh, it's the first time that any company has gotten over 100,000 verified listings and we're close to 450, headed to 500 really quickly. Okay, so as I understand LoopNet, they're just publishing properties that people actually put on, the, they go out and put on LoopNet. Right. But what you're saying is you're actually, from Excelligent, you're taking properties that you guys have went out and researched and found, and you're also exposing them on commercial search. Exactly. So not only are we, we're taking the research content, we're taking different uh, multiple listing feeds, we're taking a lot of different sources and aggregating it to one place to create a more robust marketplace for commercial real estate content. And then the general public right now can search all of that for free. So it's starting to drive a lot of visibility for your listings. So you want to make sure your content's on the site either way. Um, and our, our objective is to make sure that we have that community platform recreated in the industry. It's pretty easy to put your content on commercial search, right? What are the alternative ways to do that? 
You know, you can either, you if you're in one of our research markets, you can literally just send your listing to one of our researchers and by taking the update call, we'll do that for you. If you're in any other market in the United States, you can, just like you could on LoopNet, you can go key that in yourself, with the one primary difference being that you can do that for free. Uh, you don't have to pay to post. Uh, you could also just make sure it's on your, your MLS. You can make sure it's on Realtor.com. If you're a CCIM in the country, there's now a private listing exchange for all CCIMs powered by Excelligent on commercial search. So any one of those mechanisms can work. Okay, and Excelligent is how many markets right now? Right now we're in about 45 U.S. markets. Uh, you know, we've kind of consolidated some of those together, some of the Texas markets, but we're in about 45 U.S. markets. Our objective with the FTC originally was to cover the top 65 within the first 48 to 60 months. We're going to hit that goal. Uh, you know, the, the company kind of started at about 150 people when we started two years ago. We crossed about 850 employees uh, here in the last month. So it's the organization's changing fairly significantly. We'll continue to launch markets. We just launched LA. Uh, we've got some of the big ones ahead of us. Chicago and New York are coming up next, right after we finish Texas and Florida. So we've got some major markets coming uh, right behind this. Uh, like I said, pushing into the Carolinas and coming up the East Coast. Now, Excelligence expansion is great for the commercial real estate industry. And if you haven't checked out Commercial Search, well, check it out. It's commercialsearch.com. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more from the National Association of Realtors Conference in New Orleans. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're featuring interviews from the National Association of Realtors annual conference floor in New Orleans. I have some more questions for Doug Curry, CEO of Excelligent, on resources for the commercial real estate industry. Enjoy. Seems to me more than the, than your competitor that you are partnering, if you will, with Realtors and with CCIMs. That's a little bit different, isn't it? It, it is. We're our, our objective. I, I think you know maybe some of the other platforms uh, took more of a closed approach of kind of we're going to control it and and approach it that direction. Our theory was let's invite the industry to be partners. Uh, it goes down to the street level where in Atlanta, Georgia, where you're from, we invited the top 30 uh, office brokers to sit on a panel and literally review our end of the quarter stats. So when we produce those, it's the industry certifying the data. We do that in every major market in the country. We have about 1,100 of the top leasing brokers in the United States that sit on panels all over the country that certify the end of the quarter data. And then we give that data out to our partners to produce the vacancy and absorption so the industry is actually announcing what we're doing. We took that a step for, further, became the partner for NAR, and became their uh, exclusive provider for research and marketing in the United States for their, their products and partnered heavily with NAR. NAR sits on our board and helps direct what we're doing. Uh, a lot of brokerage firms sit on a strategic advisory board. Seba Richard Ellis, uh, Jones Lang LaSalle, Colliers, Newmark Grubnight Frank, all signed multi-year national agreements with us to partner with us across the United States and sign up for every market in the country that we're in. But they also, they also help us on a strategic advisory board quarterly to help us think about which markets to do next, which products to build next. And then the most recent one was CCIM, which we felt like was critical. If you're going to rebuild a national public marketing service for sales-side listings, who better than CCIMs to get involved in that? So they now sit with us on a strategic group. 
They help us govern and regulate what we're building technology-wise for the industry, and we're in turn building products for them. Uh, and we have a couple other associations that are now reaching out to us as well, national trade associations. So I think within the next year we'll announce a couple more. But our objective is to bring together the industry in one coalition so that people feel like there's a marketplace that's kind of owned by the participants, if you will. I like that because uh, you know, it's interesting when you read an article about a real estate transaction in a publication, uh, if they don't come back to the participants, they come back to the brokers and actually proof it and say, hey, look at this information, tell me it's correct, we'll look at those articles as well, there's some problems with it. Right. But, but you're coming back and saying, hey, this is what we're putting out, what do you think about it? Why don't you bless us and let us know if this is what's really happening, right? It's interesting, on the advisory board, I think people ask us, what's our number one competitive advantage on the research side? And it was a big gamble to say, what if you took your entire vacancy and absorption stack down at the space level and exposed the entire thing block by block to the industry? First off, you'd have to be really comfortable with the idea that you may be wrong. Mm -hmm. Then you'd have to have a second mindset which says, that's okay, let's change it and make it right. And then when you do that, the industry actually works with you to get it right. So. We spend tons of man hours in our process throughout the quarter. We have callers calling every building to verify the move-ins and move-outs. When they can't figure it out, we have a tenant research team that calls through the entire inventory of the building. If they can't figure it out, we physically drive to the structure. And then at the end of the quarter, we take all that data where we know, you know, ABC Company moved into Suite A, uh, you know, Smith & Walensky moved into Suite B or whoever it is, and we sit down with those brokers and review it, and we actually make the adjustments when they let us know we're wrong. So by the time everyone leaves the meeting, we know what the vacancy and absorption was at the space level, and I don't think anyone's ever been willing to do that. It's a little bit of a risk, but it turned out to be a really positive advantage for us, and today we certify 95% of the transactions in our vacancy and absorption in an industry certified meeting with the top you know, producers in the marketplace. Well, I'd like to thank Doug Curry and all our guests today for joining us on the show. I'd also like to do a special shout out and thanks to the National Association of Realtors, Gene Day and Lauren Van Holten. You guys did a great job with the convention this year and the commercial block was exceptional and surprising. I think if you haven't been out there in your commercial real estate industry, check it out next year. To see and hear more video interviews from the convention, visit CREshow.com and look for the tab Watch. Well, I have a question for you as a listener. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. We'll be discussing the single-tenant net lease investment market, sometimes referred to as mailbox money. Well, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Brokerage, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Sozo Web Hosting and Cloud Solutions, secure, reliable, and worry-free. Visit sozo.com. That's S-O-Z-O.com. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate online in as little as 10 months. Visit FIUonline.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit CREshow.com.